Welcome to ScrubCast, where we explore clinical, translational, and health services research from Stanford University's Department of Surgery through conversations with the authors. I'm Rachel Baker. Today, we'll focus on a paper published in the journal Anesthesiology titled, Labeled Surgical Caps, a Tool to Improve Perioperative Communication. I'm joined by one of the authors, Dr. Asama Nassar. Dr. Nassar is a clinical assistant professor in our Division of General Surgery. He is director of our Surgical Critical Care Fellowship and director of Stanford HealthCare's Surgery Coaching Program. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Rachel, for giving me this opportunity to join for this exciting podcast. And I'd like to say this is my first podcast that I record online, so appreciate you giving me this opportunity. I'm excited to have you here. And we're going to discuss one of my favorite topics, fashion. Uh, so can you describe for our audience this new trend that is taking our ORs by storm? <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this has been um, going on in, uh, elsewhere in the world, actually, from Australia and in other uh, departments, uh, such as Department of OBGYN, um, Obstetrics and Gynecology, for the past few years. And we just recently, about you know, a year ago or so, we brought it into the Department of Surgery, part of a team from anesthesia, from the interventional platform, and uh, from Department of Surgery. So I'm only a member of uh, this great team that I work with, and I'd like to give credit to Becky Wong, um, one of my colleagues on this project from anesthesia. She, believe it or not, she just uh, delivered her baby today, so we're excited, so we couldn't make it to this podcast. And then we have um, Sarah Goldhaber-Fiebert, who's our team leader, who's also from the Department of Anesthesia. And I have Teresa roman Mikik, uh, also one of our excellent simulation educators, in addition to Ling Chen, who is our IP educator. So I'm really excited to present this uh, podcast on behalf of this great, fantastic team. We worked uh, very close the past year or so to uh, bring this fashion, so to speak, to life. And, uh, and, and it is uh, kind of um, interesting that calling someone by their name has a profound psychological and wellness impact in day-to-day practice. And that's lots of evidence to support that outside of medicine and business and so forth. So why can't we bring that to our medical environment and more specifically to our OR? So their body of evidence, again, that support calling physicians and surgeons and team members by name, and that will improve communication uh, during day-to-day work, and more importantly, during uh, code events. Code events is when there's a, a sick patient that we need to activate a specialized team to work on saving the patient's life. And most of the times, the team members are, are unfamiliar with each other, so they come in from different specialties and we just aggregate there for a short period of time to manage this patient. And here when it becomes extremely important to know each other's names and more importantly, their roles. So the team leader would assign uh, roles to manage this patient accordingly. So describe these caps for me. They have name and then role underneath. You know, there's two two points here that I'd like to clarify. So one point is we created these uh, team caps so that uh, so that they are first of all uh, easy to read, 
and we have them, they have a, you know, um, background of a, a color, some sort. We have different colors, obviously, from the vendor. And then the names would stand out in a very clear, uh, readable text. So the each cap has the name of the person, the preferred name. We always say the preferred name. So, you know, your name might be X, Y, and Z, and you want to be called Rachel or same thing for me. So we have the preferred first name and the preferred last name of the individual. And underneath it is your role. And we try to standardize the roles so it makes it easy for patients and team members that are not in the subspecialty to kind of know who you are. So for a surgeon, uh, for example, the name is would be Osama Nassar and a surgeon attending. For residents is resident surgeon. And for anesthesia, we try to make it in the same way. So anesthesiologist attending and then anesthesia uh, resident and so forth. Does that answer your question, Rachel? Yes, it does. Um, so you got a couple of these caps for each team member so that, you know, you have one for the laundry and have a clean one for that day. I can't imagine these come particularly cheap. How did you get funding for this project? Well, this is a very, I'm very excited to state that we had amazing engagement from our leadership. And I'd like to thank here, uh, Dr. Mary Horn, our department chair. She was uh, very excited about this project, was willing to support all the surgical caps for the entire department, residents, clinicians, and so forth. And the Department of Surgery is not a small department. And we have two caps, uh, you know, the first uh, pilot wave, and now we're going to supply another cap for each department member. And then we will we'll be working towards in the future to standardizing the number of caps and um, and and how many we need per year for each individual, as you said, to allow for laundering and sometimes uh, wear and tear of these caps and so forth. Uh, so that's from the Department of Surgery, Department of Anesthesiology, the chair and their interventional platform, Dr. Wald, uh, were very uh, forthcoming and 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 allowed to sponsor caps, surgical caps for the entire. Uh, interventional platform and the anesthesia department. So our overarching goal is to have these uh, surgical caps with the names and roles be distributed to the entire interventional platforms for all surgical and non-surgical specialties uh, and to allow for uh, better team communication and collaboration and most importantly, wellness for the participants. That's wonderful. I guess going back to what you had said about, you know, you're working with people from anesthesiology, and this was originally coming um, from ob We work with anesthesiology every day, but we don't often collaborate all that much outside of the OR. How did you get involved in this project? So I personally got involved in this project. Uh, this, this project actually started as a SALT project. And I was approached by my good colleague, uh, Dr. Sarah uh, Goldberg, Fiebert, and uh, Becky Wang to be <clears throat> the uh, lead for the Department of Surgery. And uh, they engaged me that way. And I was super excited about this uh, project as it really, uh, you know, is in line with uh, my goals uh, for 
wellness, communication, and collaboration, and to allow interprofessional uh, collaboration, which is which is which is which is a critical role in the department. It was a critical role in in working um, in in a in a multidisciplinary fashion, especially a high acuity areas such as the OR and uh, so there. So that's how I got involved. And since then, we've been working on this, implementing and presenting. And I have, um, I like to, I'm, I'm happy to share with you, Rachel, that I'll be presenting uh, this uh, research uh, next week at the uh, ASC conference in San Antonio. Oh, fantastic. Week. That's great. I can't wait to see it. Well, so maybe tell me a little bit about the work that you'll be presenting. You have everyone on board, you have your caps, but something I can't wrap my mind around is how do you quantify something as amorphous as communication and teamwork? Where is the, the, how do you quantify that? That's a great question. And that's what we uh, talked about with our group here. So uh, there's like different levels to quantify that. First level is to see if there's any feasibility and acceptability of this intervention. And the way we did that is through distributing a very short five-point Likert uh, survey to the partic- to, to those from all departments to, to get, first of all, uh, some sort of a baseline data, so to speak, or to get a needs assessment, how they feel about team communication, how they feel about being called by their names and, and their role. So I'll give you, like, you know, real briefly, the five questions that we asked on this survey. So one of the questions we asked the participant is like, I feel uncomfortable talking to other team members when I cannot remember their names or roles. And they would kind of choose between one and five, whether they felt strongly agree with that statement or they agree, neither agree or, or disagree or strongly disagree. And the other question was, when I see team members in the individual platform preoperative area, I know their names. Mm-hmm. And we come, we came up with an exciting data there, if you don't mind me, Rachel, going over them uh, with, with, the, with the findings. So we did a, a simple descriptive statistics. We got, first of all, I'd like to mention that we got a great engagement uh, for the first, within the first month. So we got 158 of the anesthesiologists to order these caps, which is 69% of the entire wow. anesthesiology department. And 84% from the uh, general surgeons, which is which was our first uh, pilot mm-hmm. group. So it was like almost 96 of them. And then from the IP staff, we got 539 staff member, which is almost 61% wow. of the entire staff to to be. Yeah. So that's that's by itself tells us how engaged the staff is mm-hmm. in getting these and ordering these um, caps with the names and roles. And uh, with in regards to the uh, the respondents, so 73% of the respondents felt uncomfortable talking to team members when they can't remember their names or roles. So to me, that's a, that tells you that there's a need for this project. Mm-hmm. And also, there was 89% of trainees, uh, you know, residents, reported challenges in knowing the names of the team members they work with. And there was a 56% reported challenges in knowing uh, team members and roles and furthermore we have only 23 percent of trainings were often called by their preferred names mm-hmm. um, and lastly 60 uh, percent of trainees felt their roles were mistaken by other team members so this is just a little snapshot of how the preliminary findings from our 
pilot study and how that would kind of help us mm -hmm. kind of move this project forward. We're currently right now running a post survey. Okay. And we're going to be help, hopefully comparing the pre and post uh, survey in order to, to measure the impact and see how uh, successful this uh, project was. That's great. And I'm happy that you had such a high involvement rate because I go in and I'm taking pictures and it's, it's actually very difficult for me to even tell who people are because they're all wearing those big gowns and masks and hats and eye protection. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> 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 Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's the need, actually, you know, because to your point, even for us working, you know, daily in the OR, staff changes, we get travel or nursing mm -hmm. and so forth. It's hard for us to kind of, especially myself, I'm not good at remembering people names at all. And I really love to call people by their name. But unfortunately, I'm not good at remembering people's name. So this project came in from Something really near and dear to my heart is like, I really want to know people's names that I work with every day and that I occasionally work with. And that will create a better collaborative environment, so to speak, and, and a psychologically safe environment for all of us mm -hmm. if we start calling each other by their names. So that's where it kind of came down. And, and add to that, uh, you know, Rachel, you, you, you know, a nice point that you mentioned is that, you know, the anesthesia staff also has only um, sometimes they don't wear gowns and things, but they have their badges and the badges are all, are sometimes turned around mm -hmm. and they're below the covers and they're all, we only see their heads as surgeons. Right, so peeking over the little <laughs> tent. <laughs> the overall tent, exactly. And it's hard for us sometimes to kind of figure out who's on the other side and especially when things go bad. And, mm -hmm. and I hate to call them by anesthesia. <laughs> hey, anesthesia, which it often happens. And uh, I don't think that's a, you know, a proper way of communication. Mm, indeed. Well, and I, I don't imagine that you have the same sort of cocktail party response to being called anesthesia rather than your name. Sorry, that's a psychology thing. What's that? Uh, the cocktail party is response sorry? is that you can hear your name, your specific name in a crowded room more easily than you could pick up on other words. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see that. You know what? I, I agree because we've kind of attuned to, you know, respond when we get called uh, by our, you know, by our name. Right. Because right? this is the, this is the one word you, you'd like to hear and you're, you've been used to hearing your entire life. Exactly. So I can only imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so tell me uh, about your next steps here. You said you're presenting next week and then where does this project go from here? The goal of our main goal of our project was to, as I said, to assess the need and and introduce this highly visible labeled surgical caps mm -hmm. with wearers names and role. And we want to measure effectiveness and engagement and hopefully scale it out to other departments in our hospital mm -hmm. and scale it out to other programs outside of our center. And we've already achieved two or two of these three goals almost so we knew that we we already know that it's been a great success by the order forms and all the unsolicited feedback that we're getting um, almost on a daily basis about the caps and how uh, the, it made some people's 
uh, work environment more pleasant. We already measured the, the need for it with the pre-survey, and now we're working on getting um, the post-survey data and to compare and see how that really made all the things that we asked about more impactful and uh, moved the needle on them. And the th- we've also gotten uh, several emails from hospital department leaders elsewhere in the nation uh, asking to implement similar uh, intervention in their interventional platform. So other institutions that adopted this, for example, is UCSF, UT Southwestern, UC San Diego, UCLA. These are only just a, a few of the um, uh, institutions that already have been adopting or have adopted and already are adopting this kind of uh, intervention. That's wonderful. I'm wondering, um, do you have any holdouts? And if so, how do you deal with the person who comes up and says, I'm never giving up my SpongeBob grub cap? <laughs> Well, unfortunately, Rachel, we we do have, just like in any intervention, which requires a culture change, mm-hmm. there's some early adopters and there's some late adopters, right? So we've been blessed that most of our participants were early adopters, but obviously there are some others that feel really connected to their cloth cap and their best, you know, their favorite team that they cheer for or <laughs> favorite cartoon character from childhood like SpongeBob. Um, and so it takes some time and effort for them to uh, see how impactful this is on team for them to kind of uh, uh, adapt to that. On the other hand, we came in with other innovative ways for them to keep their caps. So if you know, they don't want to take you know, our pre-supplied calf mm-hmm. with one tone of color, then they could just simply print their name on a piece of paper and stick it on their forehead. Yeah. Uh, so that's one idea, which some of them do. Mm-hmm. And the other option is they could just embroider their names on their favorite caps and rolls. That's all we need. I mean, we don't want to uh, police and kind of push for our cap or, or or that's it. No, it's just the whole concept of this, the whole idea of this uh, of this project is to have your name enroll in an easily readable or, or visible place in you know when you're scrubbed in so other team members could know who you are and what is your role. Oh, excellent. Okay, so I'll just have my regular lavender floral scrub cap and I'll embroider on my forehead Rachel Baker, paparazza. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also I'd like to uh, just remember that we created a band, a bandana, so to speak, a cloth bandana with a name and your role on it. So you could wear it on top of your, uh, oh. whatever you have on your head. Nice. So it's like a band that has your name on it. And then you can just a Velcro from the fat back uh-huh. and you just stri- strap it on your head and that's it. Be easily visible. Nice. Oh, that's easy. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, we are about out of time. Is there anything you wanted to add? No, I just said, I'd like to say thank you so much, Rachel, for leading this podcast for the Department of Surgery. And, um, and I appreciate you taking the time to meet with me to discuss this project. And thank you again on behalf of the department. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We want to hear what you think of Scrubcast. You can email us at scrubcast at stanford.edu or hit us up on Twitter at Stanford Surgery. If you like Scrubcast, please share it with your friends. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts 
And if you really like us, smash that five-star review. Scrubcast is a production of Stanford University's Department of Surgery. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Baker. The music is by Midnight Rounds. And our chair is Dr. Mary Hahn.